Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Trumpet Radio. 101.3 KPCG, we're online at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com. You can get all of our programming at those locations, and of course the podcasts are also available. And we appreciate you listening in. Uh, When you consider the news stories today and check out the headlines, uh, you read a lot about what scientists think. We hear a lot about scientists, science, and uh, also we read a lot about what politicians think. And sometimes we read about what, say, maybe an economic analyst or even a religious leader thinks. And uh, climate change as well, I guess that would be within the science field, supposedly. We hear a lot about that, too. Lots of ideas, lots of thoughts. But how much do you read or do you hear about what God thinks. What does God think? There's conferences that men have all the time, and they discuss the problems in a particular country or in the world even, and they talk about how to solve those problems. But but what does God think about it? Now, I haven't heard every speech given at those, but the bits that I've heard, I've, I've heard nothing about God or what God thinks. And, of course, it's because people, for the most part, really aren't interested. The world today doesn't know God. They don't know God, and many just really don't care to at this time, if they're honest about it. Now, if there's a major crisis that occurs in someone's life, then they'll think maybe more about God or ask for some sort of help there. But uh, when it comes to -to day-to-day life, whether it's the the top leaders all the way down to uh, some of the youngest people that are just starting out, Many are not really interested in what God thinks. They want God to stay out of their business, as it were. And uh, that's a common thinking. Notice this passage here in Isaiah 1. We've got a few passages today that I think will shed some light on this subject about God and what he thinks. And if you'd like to look with uh, me at those passages, if you have a Bible, that'd be great. You could get it out and we could go through these together. Isaiah 1 and verse 2, it says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Eternal has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. So here God's saying, well, look, um, I've spoken. <laughs> so God says things and uh, has uh, some thoughts that he'd like to share with us. If we're willing to listen. Verse 3, it says, The ox knows his owner. And the ass is master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people does not consider. Just uh, most people, again, they don't really consider what God thinks. Just don't pay too much attention to it. And verse 4, it says, Ah, sinful nation, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the eternal. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. And they are gone away backward. So what happens when people don't listen to what God says is what we read there in verse 4. They become uh, corruptors, evildoers, problems 
many problems because we need God's thinking. We need God's law in our lives, and if we don't have that, things fall apart. And the world's evidence of that. Here's a quote from the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. This is a free course at thetrumpet.com. And uh, if you don't have it, please sign up for it. It says, Today, modern science does not know whether God even exists, much less who and what he is. So, again, they're just in ignorance. Some of it's, you know, willfully, they don't care. But in some cases also, they just don't know, haven't been educated. Uh, It says, Neither does higher education know or teach the amazing truth about God's identity. That's not taught. And then it says, rather, modern education has universally accepted the fable of evolution, which again is something that can't be proven because it's, it's an unprovable theory, but it's presented as fact. Continuing with the quote, it says, evolution is the atheist's attempt to explain the existence of a creation without the pre-existence of a creator. It totally excludes God from the picture totally excludes God from the picture. And, of course, that's crazy if you think about it in, say, the physical realm. You know, if you see a, a road through the woods, well, your first thought would be, I wonder who uh, built this road. And uh, if people said, it just showed up one day, you know, you'd say, well, you're crazy. <laughs> Roads don't just show up. People have to make them. So, But when it comes to this amazing creation of the earth and the universe and all the life here on earth and the human beings, uh, the scientists just say, well, it just came from nowhere. Well, of course, that's crazy thinking, but it's taken a foothold and uh, God is taken out of the picture. So when God's excluded from the picture, the picture becomes a very bad picture. Things go crazy. All sorts of weird ideas, all sorts of crazy ideas. And more and more, we see leaders just saying some things that are just crazy. Even common sense or logic, you know, knows that, well, what they're saying doesn't make sense. But that's what happens when God's taken out of the picture. If we don't know who God is and we don't use his word as our foundation, what are we left with? What are we left with? Well, just feelings impressions, peer pressure, lusts and desires. That's all we're left with. That's it. Without knowledge of God, mankind has a history of war and destruction and a lot of heartbreak. Lots of problems, all kinds of difficulties. And that's what we're left with if we don't have God in the picture. So we have to have God in the picture. We have to know what he thinks. Uh, the solution to all the mounting problems that we see. Uh, It's getting to know God and obeying his law. We have to know what God thinks. We know what the scientists think, right? We know what higher education thinks. We know what politicians think in most cases. But we need to know what God thinks. That's what's important. That's what's important, and that has to be the foundation for our thinking and our actions. Notice this passage here in Acts 17. A little bit of a longer passage here, but really important. Just highlighting the fact that people have been this way for a long time. They've, they've cut God out of the picture for really man's whole existence after Adam and Eve sinned. 
God cut them off. And so people just, they don't think about God and what he thinks, and they don't seek that in most cases. And Paul was dealing with that ignorance during his time. Acts 17 and verse 16, it says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. It was just completely given to idolatry, which of course breaks one of God's laws. Verse 17, it says, Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. So you can imagine this would be some pretty heated and interesting discussions. Verse 18, then certain philosophers, so here you come, here come the great educated people, right? It says, of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, well, what will this babbler say? And other some, he seems to be a set forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. So here's a city, as we read, that's wholly given to idolatry. They hear the truth from the Apostle Paul, and they say, well, this is a strange God you're talking about. They worshiped all kinds of strange gods, and yet the truth was strange to them. Verse 19, it says, And they took him and brought him uh, unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof you speak is. They wanted to know all about this new strange doctrine. Of course, he's preaching Christ and the resurrection, but it was strange to them. Verse 20, for you bring certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. So to their credit, at least they were curious. (laughs) At least they were asking him. Verse 21, it says, for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So they were really into knowledge, but knowledge can be true or it can be false. Just because there's knowledge doesn't make it right. So they were always trying to hear some new thing. And of course, they heard a lot of different ideas, but they were the ideas of men until we get to Paul here and he begins to teach them the truth of God. Verse 22, then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, you men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. Verse 23, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So Paul was trying to teach them there, and they were interested in new things, but uh, uh, not many people came along with this teaching. They were just into a lot of vanity and intellectual vanity in most cases. But they had all these ideas, all these thoughts. See, it's not different than today, except today it's accelerated because communication is accelerated. And Satan is cast to the service. You can read more about that at thetrumpet.com. We have quite a few write-ups there. So there's a heavy spiritual influence there. That's a negative one. But people today don't know God. They, they worship all kinds of things. But as he said... Whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, to the unknown God. You know, I guess they were trying to cover all their bases, and they had even had even had an unknown God there that they they uh, worshipped just in case. <laughs> well, they didn't know God, and they really didn't know how to worship him either, of course. So the point for us is that we need to know the true God. We need to know the true God and not get caught up in a lot of false knowledge but find the true knowledge. So how do, you, how do we do that? 
You know, how do you sort through the haystack of information? Well, there is much that the Bible reveals about who and what God is. The Bible has to reveal that. And uh, for this program, for the rest of it, I want to focus on the character of God. You know, if we're going to know who and what God is, we have to know what he's like. What is he like? Because this character, the character of God, is the same character that he wants to build within every human being. Eventually, everybody will know the true God and have an opportunity to be educated and to develop that character. And, of course, it comes through the power of God's Spirit working in a person's mind. But God's going to open that up to everybody. Christ prophesied about that on the last great day. Notice this quote from the Correspondence Course. It says, The character of both God the Father and Christ the Son is that of spiritual holiness, righteousness, and absolute perfection. That character can be summed up in just one word, and that word is love. Love, defined as an outflowing, loving concern for others. So we hear the word love a lot, and it can become maybe a little bit murky in our thinking, and if you if you just hear me say that, you, you know, the word love, you could think, oh, well, I've heard that before, you know, <laughs> love, okay. But, but this is God's way of life. We're talking about God's love here. It's a way of give, of serving, of helping, of sharing. You know, not just talking about it. or It's about really living that way. And it's the opposite of the get way of Satan the devil. It's about give. It says it's the way devoid of all coveting, lust and greed, vanity and selfishness, competition, strife, violence and destruction, envy and jealousy, resentment and bitterness. So when we start getting a little more specific, then it becomes more clear to us what God's love is. God's inherent nature, the quote continues, is the way of peace, justice, mercy, happiness, and joy radiating outward toward those he has created. That's the way God is. That's his character. That's the character of God the Father and Jesus Christ. This is the way that the God family lives, and it's the way that we are to live. And, of course, it takes God's spirit to empower somebody to have that type of thinking and that type of attitude and that type of understanding, and then it's a growth process using the power of God's Spirit. But this is the way God lives. This is who and what God is. He is love, and he lives that way. He lives a way of perfect character. It's outflowing love, and that way that he has lived forever, that became law. It became a code of conduct. It's the law. And in this world, we're too used to seeing people say one thing and then do another. God is not that way. He says something and he does it as well. He does it first. He lives his law perfectly. It's his way of life. That's who and what God is. He's love, outgoing concern. He lives a way that causes peace brings justice to people that need justice, and we all do. And he's merciful, and he helps, and he's happy, and he's full of joy. Now, he doesn't 
tolerate sin, but his life, the way that he lives and his character produces these things. His law produces this joy, this happiness, this kindness. And uh, that's his character. So when you know the character of someone, you, you begin to know them. You know them quite well. And we should be able to know God very well because we can see what his character is. The Correspondence Course says the spiritual law of God enables us to know what God is like because it describes his character and way of life. And it's summed up by the word love. And again, it's not like the syrupy love that sometimes people throw around and um, it becomes maybe a bit uh, of a burden to even hear about it. But this is God's love. And again, it's that outflowing concern. It's the way of give. Christ talked about this in Matthew 22. Notice what Christ said in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. It says, Master, uh, which is the great commandment in the law? So Christ was being asked, okay, so which, which is the great one in the law? In verse 37, Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So Christ broke it down to two main laws here. Love towards God, love towards neighbor. And love towards God and the God family and those in the God family is greater than self. And love towards neighbor, to people that don't know God's truth yet, that you pass on the street, is equal to self. That's the way you love them. You know, do unto others. I think everyone's heard that. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Well, that's how you treat other people. Treat them kindly. You know, show them love. Show them concern. Be helpful. Don't hurt. (laughs) And there's a love then towards God and towards God's family that's even greater than self. These two great commandments then, of course, are further divided into the ten points that we read in the Ten Commandments. And we read about conduct that we should have there. So we see God's character here. The true God is a God of love, and he lives the way of love, of outgoing concern, and his commandments teach us how to live like he does. See, the commandments are not oppressive. They're God's love. That defines God's love. And again, it's wonderful to think about that and to know that, and it's in the Bible, because otherwise love can become kind of this uh, murky concept, and, well, who loves who, and, you know, and people can say, well, you, you can never, you know, say anything's right or wrong, because if, it's, if you say it's wrong, then, well, that's not loving people, but no, 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 there is a law, and some things are wrong. If that law is broken, it's wrong. And why is it wrong? Because the wrong action, or not doing the thing that should be done, it causes hurt. It hurts everybody involved. And God's law is there to protect people from being hurt. And if it's kept, it produces love and it produces joy and excitement and all those wonderful things in their lives. And so God's commandments teach us how to live like he does. Shows us how to have the character of God. And again, we need God's spirit to really understand that and have the power to begin to go that way and to grow. It's all God's doing, but we have to submit ourselves to that. So when we consider 
our own thoughts and our own actions, and we should see if they measure up to God's law, right? And when we hear things from scientists or others, say, well, okay, well, does this square up to God's law? Is this following what God thinks? So we have to know that. We can really know. The wonderful thing is we can really know God, and we can begin to understand what he thinks. And everything has to be according to his law. The correspondence course says there are just two possible ways of life. Just two. God's way, expressed by his law of love and summed up in the Ten Commandments. And we call that the give way. And then there's Satan's way of competition, of greed and vanity, which we call the get way. Give and get. Only two ways. Are the scientists trying to give or are they trying to get? Well, I mean, it depends, I suppose. There's, you know, don't want to make too big of a blanket statement there, but uh, in a lot of cases, it's kind of about get, isn't it? Or politicians and such. Maybe not every instance, but in terms of general trends and some of the things we hear and see, it's not God's way. It's not the way of give. It's following the get way. That's Satan's way of competition, greed, vanity, the get way. And this is the way of disobedience to God, this quote says. All suffering, and this is such a vital point here, all suffering, all unhappiness, fear, misery, and death has come from living Satan's way of get instead of living by God's way of give, which is the only way to peace, happiness, and joy. It comes down to that, living by God's law or breaking it. See, we can know God. We can know who and what he is. He has a character that we can understand when we look at the law of God, and then by living that way, we begin to take on God's character as he gives us his spirit and empowers us if we're baptized and growing in that direction. And we can be growing and developing and becoming like God. That's who God is. He is give. He is love. And we can know how he thinks because he thinks according to that law. Again, there's a lot of a lot of thought out there about all kinds of things and lots of opinions. We need to have a solid foundation. That foundation is based on God's law. That's where it has to be. And then we can begin to measure our own lives, our own thoughts, and we can measure the knowledge that we come across. Is it according to God's truth or is it according to man's thinking? It's exciting. It's wonderful. And it's awesome to get to know God more and more. And uh, you can learn more about this by requesting our free book, Mystery of the Ages. The first chapter in that book is Who and What is God? Read that chapter and it'll give you a lot of great information, more in-depth information even, about who and what God is. And uh, it's exciting to get to know him. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live by Every Word. Thanks for spending some time with me today. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.